Coming up on the Sark Fighter Podcast, an exciting way that you can help in the fight against sarcoidosis. I like to call the community outreach leaders the voice of sarcoidosis in their communities. The Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research is looking for a few good volunteers. Okay, more than a few. Um, so these positions are well supported to do the work in their communities as a team. Coming up, 36 leading sarcoidosis providers are looking to expand their reach and influence and effectiveness in the sarcoidosis community, and they and FSR have a way that you can help. This is the Sark Fighter Podcast, living with sarcoidosis and other rare diseases. Here's your host, John Carlin. Hello and welcome. This is episode 73 of the FSR Sark Fighter podcast brought to you in part by a grant from Kind Advanced Sciences, a clinical stage biopharmaceutical company dedicated to treating rare inflammatory and autoimmune diseases with significant unmet need. More about Kind Advanced coming up. I do this podcast to offer fellow Sark fighters hope and to help you connect with other Sark patients. I think it's effective and helpful to hear their stories, to understand how sarcoidosis is affecting their lives, what's real, what's not, how are people dealing with it, and hopefully that helps you understand what you're up against, what you need to do to overcome the disease and the effects of the medicine, maybe both of the above, and to just kind of let you know what sarcoidosis is all about. Because let's face it, if you're listening to this, you are in or around or have been diagnosed with a disease for which there is no known cause or no known cure. But the good news is, is that in most cases, it can be controlled if you find the right provider and you find a doctor, a physician, uh, a facility that understands what is going on with sarcoidosis. And chances are, your regular doctor is not that person. Sometimes they are. Sometimes that's great. But there aren't a lot of us in the United States in particular, or anywhere in the world for that matter, there are not a lot of us who have sarcoidosis. It's an orphan disease. It's out there. And it's not something that every provider is familiar with. But there are those centers that, that do, and we're going to be talking about that today, and we're going to be talking about how you can work with these centers to make it so more people understand what's going on with sarcoidosis and more people feel like they are playing a role in trying to beat the disease. So before we get to the interview with Mindy Buchanan of FSR and Rhonda Jenkins, who is at the Cleveland Clinic, they will be telling you how you can help in this fight against SARC and, and how they will help you with all kinds of support. And it is an amazing amount of support. I do just want to share an interesting interview that I did this week here locally with a research. And I try to tell you what's going on in my life, um, just as a, a part of this podcast, but at this this time, it actually was in the medical community. In the previous podcast, I was regaling how I went out and and was able to uh, work with local 
game biologists to take in the elk herd, you know, the big deer-like animal, but bigger than a deer and smaller than a moose, elk, that have been reestablished in Virginia. So I was talking about that last time because that was the story that I had been working on. But this time, I talked to a, a researcher named Dr. Rob Gordy, and he is his title is Director at the Center for Vascular and Heart Research at the Fralin Biomedical Research Institute at Virginia Tech, which is based here in Roanoke. Uh, Virginia Tech is in the town of Blacksburg, about 45 minutes away, but the institute is here in Roanoke, Virginia. And he and his team have identified these tiny particles in milk. And when I say tiny, he described them to me as being particles about the size of a virus. And he said the coronavirus in particular. But just to give you an idea how small they are. And they showed me how they start out with, say, a glass of milk. And they're able to pull these little particles out and isolate them. So after a couple of days, and they've run the milk through this processing device, they wind up essentially with a beaker full of these little particles in a liquid. And they have then learned, and this, is, this was the hard part, the particles had been known about for some time, um, but now they have learned how to get them to absorb medications. And that was the difficult part because it's not like you just soak them in the medication and it happens. There, has, there, there was a certain technique they had to develop, and I don't understand how they did it, but um, just know that they did, that um, they can get the medications into these little tiny particles without damaging the membranes and without destroying the particles. And so then they take these particles full of medicine and they can feed them to you with something that you drink or he even said maybe one day you they could put them in ice cream that you know again that's theoretical they haven't done that yet but when the patient ingests these particles that now have the medicine inside of them they go through your gut unscathed they're not damaged by the you know the acids and and all the digestive processes processes I don't know if I got that right, uh, in your body, and eventually they go through your gut and into your bloodstream, and then the medicine is delivered to the damaged part of your body to help in the healing process. And that is just amazing. Now, this is still in the very early research stage, so they are proving its efficacy in mice, and they do have a patent on it. But it looks very promising as a way to provide medicine to all kinds of patients in the future. Now, to be clear, this is not research that is happening in the sarcoidosis space. But I asked Dr. Gordy, after telling him about my experience with sarcoidosis, telling him that I uh, host this podcast and that I'm involved as a volunteer with FSR, I said, could that be a way that we might have a novel new approach to fighting sarcoidosis or delivering medication to people. Like right when I went and got Remicade, for instance, and, and people who still do, um, they, you have to go in and, and you have to do an IV for a couple of hours. And he said, well, it's, well, you know, it's way too early to know. But theoretically, he said he didn't see why that couldn't be the case. So, 
I don't want to overpromise. I just was up against something that was really interesting this week. And since we're sort of in the medical space here, uh, the healthcare space, if you will, on this podcast, I thought that I would share that with you. I just thought you would think that was fascinating as I did. Um, all right. Now, I want to tell you a little bit more about Kind Event, who is presenting this podcast. Kind Event Sciences is researching a potential new drug for sarcoidosis. It is called namilumab, and it inhibits one of the key proteins that is believed to be responsible for granuloma form, uh, formation and persistence in sarcoidosis. And We've done a podcast on this, so I would invite you, if you haven't already, to go back and listen to episode 69 of the FSR Sark Fighter podcast, where Kind Event CEO Bill Gerhardt and Director of Patient Advocacy, Advocacy Rainy Rogers discussed the status of nemilumab and how you as a sarcoidosis patient can participate in the phase two clinical trial called Resolve Lung. And there is a link in the show notes. They are still recruiting people to uh, to participate in the clinical trial itself, which I think is very exciting. Um, so there will be a, a link in the show notes, and you can click on that, and it will take you right to a place where you can get more information if you want to participate in the Kind of Ant Sciences um, clinical trial. And then I also want to share with you something, and this will be the topic of an upcoming podcast. In fact, we've scheduled uh, an interview for later this month, and you can look for an upload probably in uh, November of 2022. Uh, but FSR has launched something called the Ignore No More Act Now, and that stands for Advanced Clinical Trials for Equity in Sarcoidosis campaign. So that's ACT, A-C-T-E, and the E stands for equity. And this is to raise awareness of racial health disparities with a focus on increasing representation of black sarcoidosis patients in clinical trials. And FSR is asking all eligible patients to complete a survey for black Americans with sarcoidosis to help inform recommendations for improving care in clinical trials. And the survey is available now through November 30th of 2022, so you have to act pretty quickly. And to learn more about the survey or incentives for completing the survey and the Act Now campaign, just visit stopsarcoidosis.org slash act now, A-C-T now. And I will put that link in the show notes. So all you have to do is go to the show notes and click, or you can go to the FSR webpage because that's what it is and search for act now and you can find it that way. Okay. Now coming up next, Mindy Buchanan of FSR and Rhonda Jenkins of the Cleveland Clinic. Hi, I hope you're enjoying the Sark Fighter Podcast. You may be wondering, what can I do to help? How can I be a part of the sarcoidosis solution? It's simple. Make a donation to KISS. Kick in to stop sarcoidosis. 100% of the money goes to the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. Look for a link in the show notes of the Sark Fighter Podcast. 
Welcome back to the FSR Sark Fighter podcast. And joining me today is Rhonda Jenkins with the Cleveland Clinic. And we'll be talking with Rhonda in just a little bit. And Mindy Buchanan, who has been on the show many times, and she is with FSR and really is one of the people that just makes FSR work. Welcome to both of you. Uh, Thank you so much, John. Thank you, John. So, Mindy, today we're going to be talking about the alliance, the the FSR Global Sarcoidosis Clinic Alliance. I want to make sure that I say that right. But essentially what we have here is a group of, I'll just lump it under the umbrella of providers, and then you can get granular with it. But providers, 36 providers all around the country uh, who are sort of the A-team for sarcoidosis care. That's that's my broad introduction. Tell, tell us in more detail what the alliance is all about. Yeah, John, you, you really got you really got it there. The FSR Global Sarcoidosis Clinic Alliance, and we do shorten it on occasion to say FSR GSCA, um, is a member program consisting of clinics, hospitals, and individual providers committed to finding a cure and offering evidence-based patient-centric care for those living with sarcoidosis. And you are correct. We have 36 founding members from institutions across the country. Um, And we have, in fact, a really slick map on our website that shows um, all of the locations with little stars and uh, a big list of how to find the different clinics from state to state. If you um, go to the leaders page on our website, which uh, we'll talk more about in a little bit, I'm sure. Um, But yeah, you, you really hit the nail on the head there, John. So, so, and this alliance, we announced the alliance, when I say we, I mean FSR, uh, Six months ago, am I doing that roughly from memory? Less than that? Yeah, I want to say it was right around May. I believe it was in May. Okay, and so we're in October of 2022. So, so this is a really exciting development. And now the idea is to uh, is to take this amazing opportunity for patients and for research and all the things that FSR does, and to expand it and and even and make it even um, more beneficial to patients. But there are there are two ways that patients or their caregivers or both can get involved. And why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, um, that's right, John. So we have two exciting opportunities for patients or caregivers um, to work with us and the Clinic Alliance members um, throughout the country. Uh, the first thing I really want to share about these opportunities um, is that they is that it's really an opportunity to become part of a team of leaders in your community. So each FSR GSCA member clinic will be working with two FSR community outreach leader volunteers and two support group leader volunteers. Um, and more than that, these volunteer teams will be connected to other FSR patient advocates in their area, as well as to our patient navigators who are providing one-on-one supports to patients, as well as, and we'll, we'll get into this in just a minute, I'm sure, uh, a liaison from each of the member clinics um, to work on the ground with them in their own communities and with the Alliance members themselves. Um, so we are looking for patients who are either treated at or um either treated at one of the 36 founding member clinics or live in the same city or within easy driving distance of those clinics. So it's definitely important to check out that map. Um, and we have clinics listed by state, again, on the website, um, as well as the map, as I mentioned. So. 
Okay, so so basically, if you uh, and and since we're talking with the Cleveland Clinic today, and we'll be bringing Rhonda in here in, in just a second. So um, I travel to the Cleveland Clinic, so I wouldn't be a good candidate to be uh, a Cleveland Clinic liaison. Although I'd be happy to do it, you know, if I could do it from my home in Virginia. But I, I travel seven hours by car to get there. But what we're looking for would be people who say go to the Cleveland Clinic and want to use that as sort of a base for outreach to other SARC patients and help other SARC patients in their area and those SARC patients who are essentially in and around the Cleveland Clinic. Am I, am I nailing that in general terms? That is correct, John. I would say, though, we um, look, if you like yourself, if you do live far away from the clinic itself, we do know that some of these really big centers have that opportunity. We are open and we and I want to encourage everybody who's interested in, in participating to apply um, again, because maybe maybe this particular position isn't right. But if you're connected to Cleveland Clinic and you want to participate with us, we have other opportunities where you can work with those folks who are more central to the to the city that they're in. You know, I think we're open to to the possibility that we might have one of the community outreach leaders who might not live in the city who travels there enough that it makes sense to to put them in the right role um, if they really fit the bill and they're really excited to join. Uh, I definitely don't want to encourage uh, discourage anybody from applying uh, just because of that factor. Gotcha. So these community outreach leaders. What what will they essentially do? They they apply uh, because they're interested in helping other SARC patients, and 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 you and I both know uh, how much this community is starting to to coalesce, and and SARC patients want to help other SARC patients, and you run the advocate program, and you work with the leadership and the patient community who are patients who want to help other patients. So what will these community outreach leaders sort of be tasked with? Yeah, John, that's a great question. I mean, I like to call the community outreach leaders the voice of sarcoidosis in their communities. Um, They will work with FSR, their um, Global Sarcoidosis Clinic Alliance member clinic, and their local volunteer leader team to raise awareness through sharing their story, engaging with their communities, and organizing educational and fundraising events. And again, I really do want to stress that this is a group team effort. This is not, we're not asking you as an individual to do all and everything in your community, but we're asking to be part of a team that does these um, activities and participates. And so FSR does provide training um, for these uh, um, community outreach leaders as well in from communications and media experts. Um, we provide training on impactful story crafting for specific audiences, uh, event planning and tools and research. And we also provide tools and resources such as events in a box and setting up your outreach plans. Um, so these positions are well supported to do the work in their communities as a team. And again, I want to I want to sort of stress again that we do have um, these staff liaisons at these member clinics who are also dedicated to being the point person for our volunteer team. So not only do they have a point person with sorry within FSR, they have a point person within the member clinic that they're assigned to as well. Um, plus they're a team of four in their communities, but um, hopefully that answers your question there, John. <laughs> well, yeah. So yeah, I mean, essentially you're looking for people to step up and, and just really be the go-to group 
for shark patients in their region and, and have it all centered around wherever the care is given. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I want to share a, a, a story that I heard from one of our current patient advocates literally just yesterday. Um, and she has been very active about sharing her story and her experience with her community, with her sort of um, local community groups and, and places that she um, participates in other activities with. And somebody from one of those groups found out someone who they know has sarcoidosis and they reached out to her and said, can I connect this person to you? And that person then had access to someone who's knowledgeable about the resources available to them. Um, and, you know, a lot of our patients, we hear this very often that they had to walk a very long time down the path of sarcoidosis alone. And, and I know that a lot of people feel really motivated to step into that role and say, I don't want someone else to experience that loneliness or that solitude when there's resources and there's people and there's a community here. Um, and so that's really the community outreach leaders are really those folks. They are the connectors of the hubs in their communities. Um, and they're supported by FSR and the member clinic. And they're making sure that those people are being brought into the community are gaining access to all the resources that a rare disease really requires for good quality of life and all the resources that the member clinic provides as well, right? So part of this is that they're bringing in the things like Cleveland Clinic is doing for their sarcoidosis patient community outside of just the FSR programming that we're working together on, they're also doing other activities and they also have other programming and they also have an entire hospital. I don't know, you know, I don't want to, I know Rod is going to talk about this a little bit, but you know, they have an entire hospital system with resources too. And these community outreach leaders will be well-versed on both resources available through FSR programming, but also from their member clinic so that patients are getting the most and the best opportunities for resource access that they can. Um, and, and, you know, the simple thing is that just came from this patient advocate sharing her story with other people. And it's a hugely powerful tool that we're going to be activating in these communities through these community outreach leaders. Got it. So you, so we're, so you are requesting people to apply to FSR to be one of these community outreach leaders, correct? That's right. Community outreach leaders and support group leaders, which we can talk about <laughs> as well. But right. um, but yeah, we have two two different types of roles, uh, and that really goes to people like different kinds of ways to volunteer. And there are more people who are suited to being a support group leader and facilitating meetings and bringing people together for educational opportunities and talking and creating community. And there are more people out there like the community outreach leader folks who are more interested in sharing their story and bringing people into the community that way. Yeah. Like the, for me, for instance, I don't like the granular planning part of putting events together, but I love to stand up and tell my story or tell somebody else's story or help somebody else tell their story. I mean, that's so so you got two different kinds of people. That's right, John. And even um, within the context of the same role, right? So um, as we're pairing teams up, we are looking for opportunity to pair teams that have a diverse range of skill sets. Um, so you might have a community outreach leader who's really good and really out telling their story. And you might have one that's 
more interested in event planning and they're planning these education fundraising activities or education events um, and awareness events in their community. So again, the goal is to get people to work together and not everyone has to wear all the hats. Um, But when we put the team together, all the hats are worn. Okay, got it. So, and how big would you say that that team is if everything goes according to plan? Yeah, so the team would be four people per clinic member. So um, two community outreach leaders and two support group leaders who will, um, the support group leaders will facilitate monthly um, peer-to-peer led support groups that focus on um, topic-based uh, so they'll have somebody come and give a topic or talk about something, um, share a resource. Uh, we have partners that we'll pair them with for modules, for resource sharing. Um, you know, again, this is another part where the liaison comes in because these are also opportunities for patients, uh, support group leaders to bring in experts from the member clinic that they're working with. And that can be everyone from like, you know, the big, powerful, you know, hugely international experts on sarcoidosis, the the rock star people coming to your clinic, um, if you're assigned to Cleveland Clinic, for instance, um, or even uh, social workers, nurses, uh, specialty pharmacy people, like other kinds of financial people. So imagine having someone from the business office come in and talk about like, here's how you read your insurance, right? These are really, really unique opportunities to bring to the support groups or to these sort of symposia or sort of education, you know, couple hour events that the community outreach leaders might be planning as well. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. So, um, and you're not expecting people to just show up and know how to operate a support group. Cause I can remember when I first got involved with sarcoidosis in my community, I thought, Oh, I should, I should start a support group because I'm mm-hmm. on the local TV station and we'd done a story on why my face was so big and puffy from the prednisone and people started coming out of the woodwork. And I said, I need to reach out and find a way to help these people. And this was pre-pandemic and then everything wound up being canceled because I, I'd gotten pretty far down the road. But I had no idea how I would tell, you know, how I would run a support group or what I would say or what the topics might be or any of that. So, um, but you're going to provide all that training. That's right. There's a two-day training um, for all volunteer leaders for the Clinic Alliance um, in February, the 25th and the 26th of February next year. Um, And there's an entire day dedicated to the support group leaders specifically on how to facilitate a support group. We have experts coming in in facilitation and moderation. We're going to come in and give presentations on, and we're also going to be doing some uh, fun role-playing um, on how to do facilitation and, you know, how to support people and hold space in a support group as well. I mean, these are knowledge building support groups or topic-based support groups, and they're meant to build community, but there is a, a functionality that happens as well, where people are sort of there to hold space and hear people, other people's stories and make sure that those folks are getting connected to the resources that they need. And all that's going to be trained. Uh, the support group leaders also will get a toolkit from FSR that provides resources, checklists, um, you know, how to's, what to do's, uh, all of that stuff, um, as well as FSR will be providing education materials for all of the support groups. And again, connecting people to the partners who can do modules, as well as their connection to the liaison so they can resource experts and speakers at their support groups. They have a lot of support in terms of, you're not just going in there blind. We're not going to expect you just to go in there and 
host a support group without any um, backup or training. And again, because you're doing it in pairs, um, it's a great opportunity to, you know, if you're a single support group host um, or facilitator, you might think, should I do this or should I do that? And you might not know really what you want to do or or what's the right path, but talking to your partner, your co-facilitator about like, should we do this or should we do that? really alleviates the pressure of like making that kind of decision or kind of troubleshooting with someone or kind of understanding. Also, it it, it works really well when you have a co-facilitator and you're in a group and like, you know, there might be one of you who's really good at getting people moved toward the positive or moved, you know, moved on. Um, And there might be one of you who's, who's, um, you know, a lot better at, you know, sharing specific information and making sure everyone got their pieces of uh, educational materials and so on. So again, our goal is really to pair people up um, with the most diverse kind of experience so that we're covering the most ground. Um, so yeah, no, definitely we're not sending you guys out. No one goes out without training um, and uh, support all year long. Well, that's good. And I, and I know because I've been to the uh, advocate training with you that it's very <laughs> thorough, it's very well done. And, and that was my introduction to working with FSR. And again, that was right before the pandemic. So, but that was a great weekend. Uh, so if, if you're going to bring that same sort of structure in to help these people who are stepping up, it's going to work for sure. So uh, thanks, John. And we will be, I mean, you know, th- th- we will be hosting an in-person training. I mean, right now everything is virtual and uh, next year and uh, the vir- the training in February is virtual. However, we will be hosting an in-person training. It is a two-year commitment. So folks um, who are assigned for 2023 will be eligible to come to the in-person training as well. So um, yeah, there's definitely going to be the opportunity for in-persons at some point. Uh, and we're very excited about that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's bring Rhonda in here. Rhonda, you've been very patient sitting on the sidelines, uh, listening to my uh, conversation with Mindy. And Mindy and I go way back, so I'm surprised it didn't last even longer. But um, welcome to the podcast. And tell us what your role is, uh, not not necessarily with this program, just at the Cleveland Clinic in general. Well, thank you, John. Thanks for having me. Um, So, yeah, my role at Cleveland Clinic I'm a program manager in Cleveland Clinic's Respiratory Institute. Um, so I work with our sarcoidosis um, clinic doing patient outreach and working on patient outreach initiatives and programs. So if we have patients who are having difficulty navigating our system, um, we do have a multidisciplinary approach to sarcoidosis. So that can take a lot with different visits, different records that they need to get. So I help folks navigate our system, um, as well as setting up some initiatives like our um, support group that we have for our patients and making sure that they have, you know, what they need for, for that program. Gotcha. And that's, so that's your, that's your regular job day to day. Yes. That's before, right. before FSR showed up and said, let's start this great program with our partner institutions and let's, let's, let's even amp it up even more. So so what will you provide if uh, Mindy's looking for four good people, say, in Cleveland? What will you do to help them? Yeah, so as um, the Cleveland Clinic's uh, liaison with this Global Alliance, I hope to provide and be their main point of contact here at Cleveland Clinic. So if there's any resources that our outreach leaders or support group leaders need, um, like Mindy, I discussed a little bit, sourcing some experts from the Cleveland Clinic if they have questions about, um, you know, social work services here, um, different types of sarcoidosis, I can get those experts right here um, at our clinic. 
Um, I can make sure they have any information or um, materials that they need from Cleveland Clinic on the services that we offer or the programs that we offer. So really making sure that we can create that access to Cleveland Clinic that the patients might be looking for. Gotcha. And and what sort of materials might you provide to to make that easier for somebody who's you know super excited they they want to go out and help somebody but they don't really know how to do it. Well, so first and foremost, we're just thanking FSR for training these individuals. I think it's really important, and that's really one of the key parts of this alliance that our volunteers are being trained by FSR, and they will come to us with these skills already in hand. You know, materials that we'll be providing, um, you know, on Cleveland Clinic services. So if folks have, um, we have folks that are coming out of state and they're like, I'm coming to Cleveland. I don't know where to start. For instance, what hotels are by the Cleveland Clinic? Where can we stay at? Those are things that we can provide to them. Um, They don't have to go searching for by themselves because that volunteer will have access right to us. Um, We also have a lot of um, outreach initiatives here. We have an annual walk that we do. Um, We have awareness activities. So we want to make sure that the volunteers have access to all of those things that that we're putting out as our clinic. Right. And so, Mindy, I know that that you guys have like um, something called an event in a box and so forth. So and I don't know which one of you two is is better to talk about what, for instance, an event in a box is. But. How, how does that help somebody who's trying to put on an, an event? Um, well, it's, uh, it's, it's like a little gift, John. It's a gift uh-huh. of tools and um, uh, best practices and support that we can provide. Um, so I think, let, let's think about this. So, so anybody who's out there who might be listening, who has um, participated in FSR's Awareness Month, um, you'll find on our website this toolkit for what the kinds of things you can do. And we provide things like media assets. So like, here's a picture that you can post up onto your own social media. And here's the language, the sample language you can use. And we'll encourage you to add your own flair to it. And here's all the hashtags that you can use to amplify your messaging and make sure it's seen by people. So we're really good at putting out these toolkits for people to use and making it really is sort of paint by numbers, easy as possible to do the things that um, you're you're doing in your community. So certainly we have folks who want to participate and are have run events in the past. Um, I, I want, you know, we have one patient advocate, Mark in Chicago, who every year runs this event called Sarker. Um, and it's a huge event and he, and, and he's, he's grown it over the years and people come and they play soccer um, and they raise funds for FSR by playing soccer together at this big event every spring. <clears throat> and, you know, we certainly will have people who apply to be a community outreach leader who've had those experiences, but we also know that there are a lot of motivated people out there who maybe don't, and we want to get them to that point where they can just they learn how to do it and they can do it outside of the box after that. But the goal is really to provide this little gift of tools and opportunities and sort of very clear sort of not instructions, but um, guidelines for what you can do and how you can do it. Um, Simple things like if you're going to be running a walk, for instance, you might need a park permit. If you're going to be doing that, you might need to let the city know um, about that event for based on how many people you expect Maybe you want to have t-shirts at that event. We can, we provide, you know, a list of ways you can get t-shirts for your event members. So 
which, you know, event in a box also kind of brings me on to the next phase. And this is a question that we received a lot about these positions. And that is, you know, are there reimbursements? Um, is FSR covering certain things? And I do want to make sure, and this is on our website as well about the leadership positions, but um, yes, we will be providing teams will um, have access to a prepaid visa card to um, cover uh, upfront expenses for approved in-person events. And we will be um, we will be opening up an opportunity for people to apply for mileage reimbursement if they have to drive uh, you know, more than a certain distance to the event um, to host the event or to host a support group. So we do we are that is part of that process as part of that event in a box as part of that um, component, that tool that we're providing for folks. Hopefully that answers the event in the box bit. Okay. Well, so I, I mean, there's just so many, so many things that you've done. And I, and I just kind of have scratched the surface in terms of my own knowledge of, of what all you do, but don't you even provide like email addresses, business cards and that kind of stuff for these folks? Yeah, that's right. So um, advocate or I'm sorry, uh, volunteer leaders will get um, business cards. They will get their own unique email address. Um, again, that's with recognition that, you know, you're going to be interacting with a lot of people, a lot of patients, you know, maybe you're getting a sponsor for your event that you're hosting or something like that. And you need to have sort of a professional backing of FSR, recognizing you as an official volunteer with us as an um, as part of the organization. So you will get your own email address and business card. You also get a tote bag, which I think are super cute. And I love tote bags, so I never get enough of them. Um, yeah, so we are providing all of those um, for uh, the volunteers as well as part of that effort to make sure that they are armed with all of the tools that they need to do the work that we're asking them to go out into their communities and do. And then, so let's say you want to, you need a place to meet and I'll just bring Rhonda in. So Rhonda, are there places, say, at the Cleveland Clinic where the patients can come in and have their support group sessions or their meetings or you know, so because it, it's not all virtual anymore. People like to get together in person. Yeah, absolutely, John. And that's one, again, one of the roles uh, for me as an elite liaison, making sure if they say, hey, Rhonda, we want to have a support group once a month or twice a month here on campus. And folks have really said they want to have it here at Cleveland Clinic. You know, I will find the space here. I will do the room requests and get everything set up for them that they need. Um, and that, again, that's really my main um, excitement about joining this alliance is arming the patients with what they need to be successful here. Got it. So, so now we've got a place to do it. We've got a prepaid visa card to cover. And I want to, I want to stress uh, that you did say approved upfront expenses. I did. People don't go haywire with their prepaid <laughs> visa <laughs> card, right? Uh, and, and, and even some, some reimbursement for travel. Um, but what if like, part of the deal is, is you need to get the local TV station to come in and you're scared to death because you don't know what to say. Are you going to do some training or what are you going to do? Because, you know, when I show up with my TV camera, people get scared. (laughs) I can't imagine that, John. You seem so friendly, but (laughs) but maybe it's the camera guy really more than you. That's Um, Yeah. So, you know, we are providing strategic media training. So one of the components of the training is um, particularly for the community outreach leaders is to uh, learn how to approach and pitch your story 
to media outlets. Um, and again, FSR really with, is with these volunteers every step of the way. Um, I know that we have a number of folks who are on our speakers bureau, our um, African-American Women in Sarcoidosis um, Patient Advisory Committee has, has done this training, our patient advisory, our, our other patient advisory committee has done some of this training. Um, we provide toolkits or templates for things like an op-ed template. So if you want to put uh, put your story out there, we not only train you how to write your story out there, but how to put it in an op-ed template, how to identify opportunities that are already existing. So recently we just had um, some folks submit op-eds because it was ILD day. Um, and it was also, I think, Arthritis Awareness Month uh, in September. And so because it was also adding that into sarcoidosis that, you know, that patient advocate put out their um, op-ed to different outlets trying to get it picked up. Now, not everything always gets picked up, but we do provide all the tools to help you get it picked up. Um, and we also provide... Um, you know, uh, reviews if folks need it or want it um, in terms of like, can you take a look at this? Um, both uh, Trisha Chivas, who's our chief strategy officer and myself have a certification in Liv from Living Proof Advocacy, who's the group that comes in and does the media training and the communications training. So we are on hand as staff members to be there for all of the volunteers to help with, you know, making sure their story is oriented toward the audience they're going to go talk to and support that effort as well. Um, so beyond the training, we also have these resources available for the um, for the volunteer leaders to to utilize in um, stepping out into the limelight, so to speak. Got it. So so people don't have to be worried about that, and they will be media trained. And uh, yeah, I've done some of that with with different groups over the years, uh, and uh, I can just you know people come in and they're timid and they leave and they're all ready to go. You know, it's uh, it's interesting once. Once they see that that camera is not so intimidating and they can just be themselves and that that really works. Um, so you and I have talked uh, a little bit and you said that in, in, you told me in 2024, you've got a special event coming up, which is a um, it's like a, a big gala. That's right. So tell, let's, yeah. let's, let's tell people about that. What is what is this gala going to be? Wow. So uh, the gala is an in-person event. It is a fancy event, as we like to say, a gala, as galas go, right? You're fancy, you're dressed up, it's in the evening time, it's at a fancy hotel. Um, it's our annual research gala. We're actually having our first one soon. And um, so this will be eligibility for 2024's gala. Um, and leaders who consistently report their monthly activities on time. So again, this is part of the training you'll get provided um, information access, like how to report what you're doing uh, reports. I can't stress enough. And that's, you know, being a programs person, I know Rhonda probably, probably uh, is on the same page here, but reports can, we cannot stress enough how important it is to really understand what it is that you guys are doing in your communities, how many people are engaging, um, you know, what the satisfaction is about those programs, because it really helps us make a difference, not only to like making sure the programs are working in the communities, but also, are you guys missing something that we need to make sure you're trained on? Um, where else, where are there potential gaps that we might need to address in this process and make the programs better? Um, so as a reward for those who consistently report monthly activities on time, they will get an invitation to attend the 2024 annual FSR research gala where all the who's who of sarcoidosis research and um, clinical practice will be in attendance 
Um, and we'll be peppering all of our volunteers throughout um, at different tables. And you'll be able to uh, speak with uh, just our partners and lots of other great people who are really making a big difference in sarcoidosis space. Is that black tie? Is that, is that like a black tie? Is this in Chicago? Black tie? What, tell, tell me. I'm not sure about 2024. Um, yeah. 2023 is in Washington, D.C. Okay. And I believe it is like black tie style. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure on the dress code, John, I'm afraid to say. Wow. <laughs> I do well, know it's in the evening and, it, and I understand it's fancy. Fancy. DC. Wow. Okay. Well, that sounds, that sounds amazing. So, so the folks who step up are going to get the opportunity to rub elbows with the sarcoidosis who's who. If they report consistently um, on time. Yeah. <laughs> forget, forget all the volunteer and the leadership and all that lifting is it's all about the reports at the end of the day. It's not like well, you have to have something, you have uh -huh. to have something to report, John. So it's both. And. Okay. All right. That sounds good. All right. So if somebody's interested in everything that we've talked about uh, and and you need a lot of people, right? I mean, you've got all these. How, how many would say 36 institutions? Is that That's right. Yeah. 36 institutions all over the United States. And you need four people per institution. How how long are you taking applications for this? Yeah, applications are open until February 3rd, but I will say we are, re FSR is reviewing um, and interviewing, and we're reviewing applications, interviewing applicants, and positions are being awarded on a rolling basis through that deadline. So I would really recommend that if you're interested in doing it, not waiting, because once a clinic um, has their four folks assigned, we'll have to start a wait list for folks. And, and you know, that doesn't mean you can't work with us in any way, but we will have to start a wait list if the clinics have um, their four people assigned to them. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely recommend that if you're interested to uh, apply early so that you, you know, to make sure you get in and consider for the spot that you want. Mm -hmm. And Rhonda, are you already seeing some some activity in this area around Cleveland? It's such a robust sarcoidosis space which is my experience my observation from being there are you seeing some activity oh yeah john we have some applications rolling in we have a buzz amongst our patients i know they're really excited i think joining and collaborate with us and fsr um, and so i think it'll be beneficial for both the clinics and more importantly you guys the patients um and so uh, mindy you're going to get all your applicants together or all your approved applicants together and do a virtual training in February of 2023? Yep. The 25th and the 26th of February, 2023. The date is on the application and it's on our website as well to remind folks. I would say, I would really recommend if you apply, go ahead and mark those dates on your calendar just to make sure that you know, you know that they're there because the application process, again, as John mentioned, we are going through a lot of folks um, we're getting through a lot of interviews. Um, we are taking, you know, it's a good amount of time to get through, um, the application process and the interviews and to get an assignment. Um, and so just make sure that you've got that date in your calendars. If you're looking to apply, um, just, just to make sure that you have that free and that you're available. It is mandatory training. So we will, folks do need to attend it. Um, and I, you know, I, I know you mentioned that we have a lot of folks we're looking for John. And, and what's interesting to me is that, you know, that's 36 clinics in the country, in the U.S. right now, who are dedicated to patients with sarcoidosis. And I think it's really 
amazing to think that we, 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 I know we absolutely have more than four people at every one of those clinics who are interested in stepping up and moving into a leadership team position um, and making a difference for patients with sarcoidosis, which I know, John, you usually um, ask all the questions, but I'm going to turn this around on you. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Okay. All right. Bring it on. Um, so, you know, I, I know you've been an FSR patient advocate and now you serve as our co-chair for the patient advisory committee on top of this podcast. Um, you've hosted a number of webinars for us and you've just done a lot of work, uh, with us. And so I'm wondering for those who are listening to your podcast and might be thinking to themselves like, oh, this sounds like a great opportunity. I'd really like to get involved, but maybe due to the unpredictable nature of sarcoidosis, which we all know maybe they're a bit worried about jumping in and making that commitment. And I would love to hear from you as one of our, you know, amazing volunteers already, you know, what advice you might have for someone who might be considering, but hasn't quite taken the plunge. Well, I would say this because I was in that space not so long ago. Um, 2019-ish is is about the time when I thought, hmm, I'd really like to see if there's some way that I could could help. And I didn't really know how. Uh, I, you know, I thought I've got a certain skill set. and uh, I'm, I'm kind of not the person I was before I had sarcoidosis uh, in terms of my energy levels and those types of things. And back then I was taking a lot of really yucky medicines and really, really feeling the effects of everything. But I would say that the thing that that keeps me going as an FSR volunteer is the fact that it makes me feel so good to help somebody else, to help somebody find their way, to uh, to help them. You know, you know, my specialty is helping people tell their stories. And so that's what we do here on the podcast. But also I really like to, I, I say this in every podcast, I like to help people uh, see the light at the end of the tunnel or, or know that there is a reason for hope. And so we bring on, uh, if it's not a patient, oftentimes it is uh, somebody working to find a cure for sarcoidosis. And, and we've spotlighted so many folks. Uh, I'll mention a couple right off the top of my head, kind of end in Atire Pharma. Uh, who, you know, those guys are, are making really good progress on drugs that might be able to spare patients their, um, you know, the, this, this bout with prednisone. So to me, helping other SARC patients makes it so much easier for me to deal with my own situation. And so that's what I would say is, is, if you've got the energy and you want to be part of a team and you've got all of this support structure and all you really kind of have to do is step into it, you don't have to, you don't have to invent the wheel. You, you have to get in there and, and use the toolbox and, and use the facilities that, that Mindy's providing and Rhonda, uh, you're providing. Um, and, you know, you've got the greatest institutions in the country who are behind this. Why wouldn't you want to do it? Why, why wouldn't you well, put it this way? Don't be afraid to do it and, and understand that you are going to feel better about your own situation if you do. How, how is that for an answer? That was a, I think that's the best answer all day, John. That, <laughs> that was a fantastic, I mean, you know, 
That was a great answer. Okay. <laughs> thank, you. Right. thank you awesome. for letting me turn the podcast around for a moment. I appreciate it. Yeah, I still like it better when I ask the questions. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So is, that, is there anything else that either one of you want to add? Rhonda, do you want to put a pitch out there for people in Cleveland? Yeah, thank you, John. I just want to say thank you, John, for inviting us, you know, myself onto the podcast. I just wanted to let everyone know that, you know, here at Cleveland Clinic, we're really excited to collaborate with FSR and all of the other global sarcoidosis clinics. We really think this teamwork, this collaboration will be wonderful for the patients. And we're really excited to give the patients an opportunity to have an active hand in their journey. So again, reach out if you have questions. Mindy is phenomenal for any patients that have questions about the application or what does this entail? Um, So thank you both for having me. Awesome. Mindy, anything else you want to add? Yeah, John, I mean, definitely always, as always, thank you for having uh, me on the podcast. I love coming on the podcast. And Rhonda, thank you so much for joining the podcast um, with us. I, I I know that I'm personally very excited for all the work that we're going to be doing together and the work that we're going to be doing as part of the Global Sarcoidosis Clinic Alliance. We just had a liaison meeting yesterday, which was amazing. And I can tell you that folks, your liaisons at your clinics are rock stars and you're in such, you're in for such a treat to get connected to these folks because they are just as passionate as you are. And it is truly going to be an astounding program. Um, I really do believe that. So, and then of course, you know, if people have questions, please do reach out to me directly. I am here to answer questions. I'm happy to do meetings with people, talk on the phone, whatever's your preference, um, particularly, but I have been recently talking to quite a lot of folks who have been on that verge um, of not sure if they're ready to take the plunge. And I'm always more than happy to talk to folks um, and hear about their concerns and, and talk about, you know, ways we can help support those efforts. Um, and so, yeah, so please do reach out to me and, and we're just so thrilled to be uh, moving forward with this progress. And uh, thank you again to Rhonda for, for joining me for this and for you for having me, John. Yeah. Uh, good luck with the program. And if the podcast can be of any additional assistance or if we, uh, you know, maybe we can have some of these support group people come on and talk about what they're doing and use this as an opportunity to, to spread the word, uh, more than happy to do it. That is a fantastic idea. You know, John, I'm always in favor of, of uh, the, the podcast and the work that you do here. So that sounds great. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. I feel like a zombie just feeding at stumbling. So thanks to Mindy and Rhonda and I, Mindy really put me on the spot. I hope my answer was sufficient, but I really do believe, you know, what I said. It's... It's so rewarding when you're feeling down. The best way to feel better if you have the energy is to help someone else. And if you help someone else in the sarcoidosis space, then you can feel even better about sort of leveraging this curveball that life has thrown at you. And, you know, I don't want to go overboard with my baseball analogy, you know, knocking it out of the park or whatever. But if if you can, because I started to go there, uh, but if you can help somebody else, that really makes a big difference. And before I forget, there's a webinar if you want more information about becoming an FSR Global Alliance volunteer leader. The link will be in the show notes. But here's what you can expect if you look at that webinar 
and it'll be um, it'll provide overviews of the FSR Global Sarcoidosis Clinic Alliance. Tell you what that's all about. The FSR. GSCA support group leader role, the FSR GSA community outreach leader role. So there's they're looking for two people to be support group leaders and two people to be community outreach leaders at each of these facilities uh, on a volunteer basis. And also they will show you on the webinar the application process. And uh, joining the FSR staff will be a person who is well-known to me. Uh, she is a, uh, an advocate, a navigator, a member of the African-American Women Patient Advisory Committee. She's also a member of the Speakers Bureau, and her name is Jessica Reed. She is wonderful. She is just so up and friendly and, and user-friendly. Um, she co-hosts a monthly FSR virtual support group. And before COVID happened, she was hosting a local support group in her community for many years. So she'll be sharing more about how she has turned her diagnosis into this passion for making a difference in the lives of those affected by SARC through awareness, outreach, and support. That is coming up on Thursday, November 3rd, 2022, from 5 to 6 p.m. Central daylight time. And so that is if you have been interested in what we were talking about here on the podcast today, that is a free webinar. You uh, there'll be a link in the show notes, you can register for free and that'll let Mindy know how many people are planning to come and that will just be something that I think you will be very glad you did. So Mindy and Jessica Reed and some other folks, and they will be walking you through everything step-by-step, step, holding your hand, if you will, to uh, to see if this is something that you want to do. And and I hope it is. A reminder, the uh, official Sark Fighter song is called Zombie by Mark Steyer and his band, the White Hot Lizards. Mark is a fellow Sark Fighter. The story behind the lyrics is back in episode 12. Remember the Sark Fighter podcast, uh, the FSR Sark Fighter podcast is released every other Monday. As I'm speaking today, I am looking over at my trusty boxer Dougal, who is curled up on the chair in my office. Dougal makes my life so much better. Don't forget to follow the Sark Fighter podcast on social media. Uh, it's on Facebook. It's on Instagram. Uh, I actually uh, have a Peloton, and my handle is Sark Fighter. And my cycling blog, Carlin the Cyclist, has a section called Cycling with sarcoidosis. Also, if you're new here and just trying to figure out what SARC is, go back and listen to episode two with Dr. Simon Hart. He goes over the sarcoidosis 101. What is it? What's going on in your body? What does a granuloma even look like? Um, my story, how I got involved with SARC and how it crept up on me and I went through all the misdiagnoses and then eventual diagnoses and then all the stuff uh, that's back in episode one. And the backstory to the founding of the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research is episode 11 with Andrea and Redding Wilson, Andrea being the SARC fighter there. Please send me an email, carlinagency at gmail.com. It's in the show notes. Follow the Sark Fighter once again on social media. I do appreciate your interest. It helps me reach more people and grow the show and grow the show's effectiveness if you share it on your social media or if you would just tell one person. 
in the sarcoidosis space. Man, I am loving the Sark Fighter podcast. Until next time, keep fighting. Trying to keep up the pace Dead men walking